0: Hi, this is Greg Parry, CEO and co-founder of Global Services and Education. Again, moving on to the next step of our podcast on global leadership. I want to talk about systems. I want to talk about the way the world works in in terms of the systems that we create or the systems that we work in rather than than the individual parts. And again, this is an important uh, strategy or frame you can use to understand your organization or understand what's happening, as well as work out new ways to improve how people are performing and make sure that you can achieve your goals. These ideas of systems theory uh, go back um, to a man named Deming. Deming um, became quite famous after World War II when he went to Japan and helped the Japanese car manufacturing industry, in particular Toyota, improve its performance. Now, I'm not sure about you, but certainly when I was growing up in my younger years, Japanese production was not considered creditable or reputable. Japanese motor cars were less expensive, mass produced, but people didn't describe them as having quality. Uh, There was a a perception that if something was made in Japan, that it was cheap, it was inexpensive, but it wouldn't last very long. And as we know, now in 2020, that's definitely not the case. Japan has a reputation for producing incredibly high quality goods, Um, certainly continue to be mass produced, but certainly they have very much dominated the space of of manufacturing in a whole range of other areas, in, in particular cars. So what Deming did is he he went to um, large car manufacturing plants and he looked at their production process. And I guess we all know that generally, traditionally, how factories work is that we have a production line where parts begin at one end and gradually they go through a number of interactions and they eventually end up at the end with a car that's produced and sold. Well, one of the challenges that... Uh, was evident to him was that along the way there were many things would go wrong and we wouldn't know that until the end of the process or until the consumer received the goods so to speak about car manufacturing in very simplistic terms we think about maybe um the chassis the the frame originally being created and placed on the production line and then pieces get added along the way obviously doors wheels engine interior the exterior meaning the the paint and the final finish and right through to the end and what happened in the traditional model was that this car began with just a small number of parts and it was passed on to different sections of that of that production line different people would add their parts on before it then moved on to the next but unfortunately, what happened was that the end consumer was often disappointed with the quality of that product. Maybe the, maybe the door didn't work properly. The hinges didn't work properly. Maybe there was parts of the engine and, and, and the mechanical aspects of the car that, that were faulty, maybe electrical. Maybe the interiors were not high-quality finish. So what would then happen was that the car, if it made it to the consumer, was sent back. And of course, there was constantly a need of repairs, warranty claims, sending the car back. It was a really ineffective system. Although they were able to produce large quantities of vehicles because the system was fast, it wasn't effective in terms of quality. So what he did is he focused on um, identifying small things along the way that could be improved and make a significant difference. And the big difference that, uh, the big focus for him was to concentrate on empowering individuals to make changes of improvement. The truth is, as you know, if you think about um, our role as leaders, no matter what organization you work in, you are not often at the coalface, at the, you know, in the offices, at the customer retail space all of the time. How do you know what best practice looks like? So certainly for myself, I've always believed that as a leader, it's my responsibility to set the standard, but I may not always be the best person to tell people how to actually do it. I might coach and mentor and participate in the process, but ultimately it's the people on the ground, the people that are delivering the service or or creating the product that are best positioned to understand how best that could be done. What Deming spoke about and and talks about is the fact that a system is divided into small parts. But too often we focus on how we make each part separately rather than focused on the interactions that occur between the parts. One of the big transformations he made in car manufacturing is he empowered groups of people to analyze their own performance and quality and to make adjustments along the way. Not to wait until the end, but along the way, recognize ways that they can improve process and to implement it. So what happened is he changed that, uh, that car manufacturing process where cars were then made in batches, supervised by groups of people. And if anywhere along the way it was deemed that things were going wrong or there was a concern about quality, that system could be stopped by the individuals at that place and time to make the corrections. Also, that group of people followed that batch of of products along the full full assembly line. In the old model, if you put a screw or a wheel or or a small um, part on a car at the beginning of the process, you never got to see the end product until the end. So you had no real significant buy-in. You didn't know where this was going or where it was going to end up. But by having a group of people Follow a batch of products or cars right through to the the complete assembly line. People have ownership over the process. And as I said, they can make adjustments along the way if they feel that there are ways that things could be improved. And as you know, just that simple example has certainly changed the world. We know that the quality of Japanese motorcars and production is incredibly, incredibly high. And Demian is attributed to be one of the, the people that really made a significant change and helped um, improve these things because he created teams that learned to work together and be responsible for quality he encouraged them to find their own ways to improve quality and to be responsible for the work that they did in japan there's a world uh, there's a word kaizen which is means to make something better and if you take ownership over something and take responsibility of making something better there's a fair greater chance of you achieving quality By focusing on the small things, you can make a significant difference. What Deming also realized is that you need to understand the parts that make up the whole, but you need to understand the interactions that occur between those parts. The truth is in that old model production line, there was no significant interaction between the parts or between the people as they pass the product on from one step to the next. There was no real connection or relationship between those people or ownership over the process. You put in the screw, you you turn the bolt, pass on it to the next person, off it's gone. gone. You have no longer have any responsibility or interaction with those people that that are involved. So we really need to change um, our mindset about how we focus on quality in order to improve things. Let's think about um, schools and education. Think about how small children learn. Small children learn, you know, if you put a puzzle in front of small children, what they'll often do is they'll break the puzzle up and then they'll pick up the individual pieces and analyze each of those pieces separately. The concept of analysis, we know, is a significantly high uh, level of learning. Bloom's taxonomy tells us that it's, it's significant. It's not just about recognising or recalling or sharing information. To analyse is to see the different parts and how they might interact with others. So a child picks up a small piece of puzzle, turns it, turns it upside down, turns it around, understands it as an an individual item, but then tries to understand how it interacts with others. How does that piece of puzzle interact with another? And of course, we know that it can interact in terms of similar colour, but of course also shape. And those interactions are important in order to make the puzzle come together. There's lessons for us about this because we know that children learn best when they understand application of ideas. When they can start to think about what to expect or what the future might hold. When they start to to understand that this small piece could eventually end up as a whole and complete puzzle and that they have a role to play in that. One of the mistakes we make when we interact with children is that when we ask them questions as teachers, we know what's happening in the child's head. They're not always trying to answer the question as such, but they're trying to work out what is the answer that you expect. So it's a very simple, um, a, a simplistic way of learning because they don't truly understand Teacher asks a question, wow, I want the, 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 the teacher to give me a, a, a pat on the back, some applause, some recognition. So what answer are they trying to to um, get from me? And of course, here's an example of a system that's not really effective if we really understand learning. I mean, we the child understands the system is to give the correct answer, then they get recognition. But what about if that system was different what if the answer wasn't necessarily just a straight a or b i mean what if the child explained to you what the circumstances would be for a to be correct but a to be incorrect what about if the child responded by helping you by explaining when b would be the right answer instead of a we've changed the paradigm or the way of learning We need to remember that education shouldn't just be focused on information or content. We know that children learn best when they understand the learning process. And what we focus on tends to make a difference. Are we focused on the simplistic answer or are we focused on the learning process? So what do we congratulate with the child? Do we congratulate the yes, no answer? Or do we congratulate them on the learning process that they're working through, on the fact that they explored alternatives? This is what helped children um, learn better. The truth is with education is the system doesn't work when we only retain 10% of what we learn short term. Most of the information we try to regurgitate in that kind of traditional education model is not retained several weeks several months or years later so we need to teach children how to learn how does this relate to systems processes i guess what i'm encouraging you to think of is to change what you care about focus on the learning system the education system rather than just the final product then children will learn more effectively they'll improve their ability to learn and that's incredibly important We need to understand the value and the power in um, collaboration and working with other people. In the example that Deming made in Toyota, the teams of people identified the errors. The system stopped when the team realized that it couldn't go on because they wanted to improve quality themselves. This made significant differences in terms of quality. Now, Deming worked with the industry for a long time, and he brought many of these ideas across other parts of the world, and it's been embraced by many people. Senghi, of course, has also embraced many of these systems principles, working with organisations in education, in the corporate world, because he recognises that we need to concentrate on the whole system rather than the individual parts in order to achieve quality. One of the the challenging experiences I had uh, working in uh, China initially within the education industry, in a service industry where uh, it was a large company that was selling education products or education services to other people, is I had a lot of trouble understanding the system. I was distracted by uh, observations that weren't quite true. The system involved many, many different moving parts. It involved a marketing budget, it involved um, salespeople, it involved commissions, and not as much as I thought of a focus on vision and education quality and, and changing the world for the future. We know that sales teams work best in groups. Because they can then help improve each other's performance. But when things like commissions are involved, that can be distracting. Because each person, of course, is trying to get their own bonuses each month and try and achieve their personal goals. But what if those sales staff worked in groups and gained recognition both for personal achievement, but also for group goals as well? again it's what we shine a light on it's what we concentrate on if we recognize and value the process as well as the outcome we have a more chance of improving quality let me give you an example of uh, young children again in a school context teenagers are not well known for working together in groups If teachers say to groups of teenagers, okay guys, get into a group and solve this problem together. We know that there'll be people contributing unequally. There'll be people that are focused and people that are distracted. And it's hard to know whether the outcomes will be particularly effective. One of the things that it's important to do is to teach the participants how to contribute. Assigning roles in the group. Okay, you are the collab, you are the a, you are the communicator, you are the leader, you are the note taker, you are the researcher, and helping people understand their clear role in that group process, and recognizing and rewarding people for being successful in the ways that they contribute, as well as the group goal as well. I very much appreciate peer mentoring in ways that it helps people to reflect on and learn from each other. One of the concerns I have about traditional performance processes is that the leader is often quite detached from practice. Take a school setting again, the principal cannot be in every classroom every minute of the day. They will tend to receive feedback in the form of student feedback, parent feedback, complaints, maybe positive recognition as well, but they don't have a complete picture because they're not close to the action. They should play a role and you need to sometimes walk into a classroom and observe things, but the truth is you don't effectively improve performance from a distance. But if you can create teams where people reflect on their behaviours and share within trusted groups, that's found to be far more effective. And Sengi very much concentrates or believes in the value of people working together to improve quality in small groups. Value in the interactions that naturally occur between people that we know can really make a difference. And this is something that we really should recognise to be incredibly powerful, Just like the example of Toyota and the the batches of cars and groups of people, our organizations also can value by working together in groups, reflecting and discussing performance between themselves. This is incredibly important and incredibly powerful. We need to move away from just measuring things based on numbers, sales alone feedback at the end of the, product, of the product production process alone. We need to adopt new philosophies that care about quality along the way, where the participants in the process can improve customer satisfaction because they know exactly how to do so. The end practice of, um, of, of awarding business on price alone can be effective short term, but what about quality production? The thing is that training on the job um, can be far more effective when, because what happens is people make mistakes along the way, and their peers can support them and give them feedback, improve along the process, rather than being driven out of fear. Fear that their boss might find out. If there's a trusted and supportive environment in the workplace where peers are working together, it can be far more effective. We need to eliminate the numerical quotas and again, focus on quality goals along the way. It's more motivating and it helps employees work towards uh, achieving goals. I really don't like the concept of annual ratings or merit systems because again it's almost like catching people out at the end what's the point of making an evaluation at the end of the year when you've wasted a whole year at the end of a year it's too late people need feedback along the way that learning loop needs to happen constantly throughout that the whole year just with like with children report cards that happen once a term Or twice a year. It's often too late to make adjustments if parents find out that late in the process. So these are some important things to consider when trying to improve quality. We need to take a holistic approach and understand how the parts work together. Understand the interrelationships between those different people and parts of the production process. Systems rely on collective intelligence, recognizing that large groups of people are far more effective than individuals coming together. Real learning takes place when there's an agreement around a common vision. When the group together decide that it's in their best interest to achieve quality, then people are gonna be far more effective. This is why certainly in terms of improving performance, I, I really don't like rules. I find rules are are important and essential but they don't drive quality. Rules tend to be more about catching people out or justifying uh, consequences rather than being built into the system ways that can improve performance. If one person's behaviour is dependent on another person's behaviour, then those two people are more likely to work together be effective with a common goal if the individual work of five people depends on each other working cooperatively and collaboratively together they're going to be more effective so again coming back to unique cultural context one of the challenges can be when people of different cultures are working together they have a different paradigm or a way of thinking if i'm highly motivated by extrinsic means by, by financial bonuses. That's a very different um, focus than a leader who is very focused on overall long-term sustainability of the company. Things like building a legacy might be something that a, a leader is incredibly passionate about, but a worker on the production line who's focused very much on the bonus that they're going to get each week or each month, may not care so much about that legacy or vision. So the leader needs to understand the mechanisms that are taking place or the the internal mechanisms or the interactions that are happening between those moving parts in order to improve overall effectiveness. This is incredibly important. So encouraging you when you think about improving your performance, particularly in culturally diverse um, environments, to understand the system. And one of the best ways we can do that is that third perceptual position that I referred to in a previous podcast. Standing on the balcony, looking at the dance floor, that helicopter view, looking at the whole organisation or the whole situation and trying to work how you can improve it by manipulating the interactions and the parts and understanding how you can make them work more effectively together rather than just tinkering at the edges. I hope that's helpful and makes sense to you. And certainly there's a lot more to be read and understood about systems thinking as it's been embraced all across the world in many corporate and education environments. Thanks for listening.